You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then make sure you're subscribed to our email newsletter. Go to assemblycall.com slash join today and sign up for free. That's assemblycall.com slash join. This week's edition of the Assembly Call is brought to you by SeatGeek. As you know, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there is a better, simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have SeatGeek on my phone. I've used it several times in the last year. I used it when Yogi Ferrell was playing for the Mavericks and went to see a couple of games. Used it to buy my wife tickets to a concert, so I can personally vouch for it. I use it. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats to any event that I want to go to. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and help you find amazing deals. And best of all, listeners to the Assembly Call get $20 off of their first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today. That's promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is episode number 40 of Assembly Call Radio, so obviously we dedicate it to Calvert Chaney, Cody Zeller, and yes, T. John Job. And it is our 332nd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, August 17th, 2017. I'm your host, Jared Morris. Remember, if you can't catch one of our shows live, you can always catch up with our podcast, which is available everywhere. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts, and you will find us. All right, let's begin how we begin every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment. And my Hoosier Proud Banner moment for this week is Marvin, Marvin Bagley committing to Duke. Huh? All right, hear me out. Because adding the number one prospect in the country will make Indiana's upset of the freshman-laden Blue Devils all the more sweet and unexpected. I know. I know. Duke is absolutely loaded with talent this year. They already have a potential first-team All-American senior in Grayson Allen. And now they have four five-star freshmen surrounding him, plus one-time IU recruit Jordan Tucker. The Blue Devils are loaded. But you know who else was loaded? The 2012 Kentucky Wildcats, the number one overall team in Ken Palm, the eventual national champions, a historically raucous assembly hall got to them and a very good Indiana team beat them. You know who else was loaded? Last year's North Carolina Tar Heels, the number three team in Ken Palm, the eventual national champions, a historically raucous assembly hall got to them and an Indiana team that at the time was playing like a very good team beat them. So how good will Duke be in 2017? I don't know. Probably top five in Ken Palm. They might even win the national title. They have the talent. They have the coaching. But you know what they won't have? A win at Simon Scott Assembly Hall on their resume. Because you know the hall will be at historically raucous levels for Archie Miller's first big home game. And teams full of freshmen do not come into Simon Scott Assembly Hall and get wins. They get overwhelmed by one of college basketball's most intimidating venues. And that's exactly what will happen on November 29th. Mark this down. That night will be one of Robert Johnson's signature performances as a Hoosier, and Archie Miller will get his first signature win at IU. And on that night, we will all feel that Indiana is one giant step closer to hanging banner number six. Surely not this season, but in an Archie Miller-led season to come. And that is what the banner moment is all about. 
All right. Well, that was this week's Banner Moment, brought to you, as always, by our friends at HoosierProud.com. And now, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this evening. Zach McCrite is away coaching volleyball, and Ryan Phillips couldn't make it. Uh, he didn't leave a reason, so we're just going to assume something really, really, really important on the San Diego high school sports scene is happening tonight, or he caught a glimpse of himself in the mirror because it usually takes him a good 90 minutes to pry himself away when that happens. But enough about who isn't here. Let's celebrate who is here, because while he's not the loudest or the brashest or the most annoyingly optimistic of our team, he is the guy who nine out of 10 assembly call listeners say is the smartest among us and who 10 out of 10 would trust if their lives depended on predicting the teams and seeds for an NCAA tournament bracket. He's the president of the Robert Johnson fan club. He's a husband. He's a father. And much to his own chagrin, he's a Reds fan. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your Bottoms line from the past week in IU basketball? Well, my Cincinnati fandom took another hit on uh, Tuesday night. We went to the FC Cincinnati game uh, against the New York Red Bulls, and they had a 2-0 lead with a chance to go to the finals of the U.S. Open Cup and ended up losing 3-2. to So that was a that was a vintage Cincinnati-level performance. But, uh, but enough about that. That's coming too close to Ryan's territory of talking about something completely unrelated to uh, – to what we were going to talk about on the show. So, uh, you know, for me, it was really the schedule and we're going to get into this a lot more, but, but the big takeaway for me was the fact that, you know, the, the much maligned decision of the big 10 to put the big 10 tournament a week early in Madison square garden and the domino effect that had on the schedule as a whole, um, you see non-conference games being jammed in to try to, to play enough of those before the conference season that you've got two stretches of three games in six days during the non-conference portion of the schedule. And then you get into the conference part of the schedule and you have similar short turnarounds uh, where you've got a, you know, a Saturday and, a, and then a Monday game uh, and, and a Monday and a Wednesday game. You've got all these things. And that's all because of the Big Ten's decision that we have all criticized and hated. Uh, and now I think you know, we understood there were scheduling implications, but seeing the schedule, you see how much that impacts things, not just for IU, um, but certainly for other schools as well. Um, this move to having games on virtually every day of every week. Um, so you've got Friday games, you've got Monday games and, and how they're kind of jamming all these together. Uh, while it will certainly make for an interesting time for us hosting the postgame show, uh, it's also going to be really taxing, I think, on on the teams. And again, not just IU, uh, some certainly more than others, as we'll get into you know later in the show. But uh, you know that just was one thing that just stuck out to me, you know, so uh, so clearly when the schedule was released. And and I think uh, you know in a lot of ways, IU didn't get a great draw, or however you want to say it. Uh, again, other teams. Uh, had similar, you know, may have similar issues. But, uh, you know, that was the one thing to me that, you know, it wasn't enough to have one dumb decision to do that. It's all the other things that ended up happening as a result. No, no question. Uh, and we talk about what's on tap this week. You know, as you mentioned, the schedule is out. So there's a lot to discuss there. And we're going to spend a lot of time breaking down the schedule on this week's episode. Uh, also from last week, we didn't get a chance to cover this, but Archie Miller had some really interesting comments in a Bloom Magazine article. And so we want to talk about those as well. Obviously, Twitter Q&A. Uh, we will get to that at the end. Uh, and I see some people in the live chat already playing Assembly Call Bingo. Of course, you can go to assemblycall.com slash bingo. Get your bingo cards. And by the way, that's not just for the people who listen live. Thursday night. If you're listening on the radio Friday evening or Saturday morning, you can play too. Just if you get a bingo, let us know. Send it in, you know, pretty soon after the show. And uh, of course, we're playing for a free shirt at HoosierProud.com. So we're going to break down the schedule here in just a second. uh, And then everything else that I talked about coming on this week's edition. But real quick, you've been hearing us talk about SeatGeek on the show for a while now because they've been a loyal supporter of the assembly call and we're loyal users of their service. So it's really a great fit. So I just want to remind you to use the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, when you create your SeatGeek account and make your first purchase so that you can get $20 back after that purchase. Now, why should you use SeatGeek? Well, because in our opinion, it's the best place to shop for all kinds of tickets, sporting events, concerts, live shows. And specifically, it's a great place to shop for IU basketball and football tickets. For example... There are still tickets available at good prices, 87 bucks at last check, actually, for Indiana's opener against Ohio State, where, if you haven't heard, ESPN's College Game Day is going to be setting up shop. 
My guess is those tickets will be gobbled up as we get closer to game day, so act now if you're interested in going. Besides, we need to make sure that it's IU fans who are getting those tickets, not visiting Buckeyes. To find the best price on tickets to this game and the rest of the IU football schedule, visit the URL iufbtickets.shop, not .com, .shop. That's iufbtickets.shop. And by the way, that's our affiliate URL, meaning that when you use it to browse tickets at SeatGeek, we get a commission whenever a purchase is made. In other words, you get a great deal on IU tickets tickets and you help support the assembly call at the same time a true win-win iufbtickets.com all righty you're listening to the assembly call i am jared morris here with andy bottoms talking iu basketball and we're talking about the schedule that's the big story this week i mean you know first observation how nice is it to have the schedule out early it feels like you know it has felt like every year we've been waiting and waiting for the schedule uh, and it's kind of ironic that now with a new coach, you would think it might even take a little bit longer to get the complete schedule, but we got it all. The Big Ten portion of the schedule, the non-conference games, Hoosier Hysteria scheduled, everything is there. So a few quick observations, Andy, and then I want to get yours. But, you know, as you mentioned, number one, the schedule is just nuts. I mean, there are quick turnarounds. There's games on every day of the week, which is new, and we're going to get into that a little bit. Uh, I don't think the Big Ten did Indiana any favors, and we're going to get to this in our second segment. And maybe the biggest takeaway is that the non-conference schedule is so much better. And it's exactly what we've been asking for. So let's make sure that we're patient with a new coach, you know, in a, in a new school and new players trying to get acclimated to a new system because Indiana will face three. And these are all rankings from last year, three top 50 teams, one team that was a top 100, that's Seton Hall, four teams that were between 101 and 200, three between 200 and 300, and then only one sub 300 team. And in one early analysis that I saw, it rated Indiana as having the toughest non-conference schedule in the Big Ten. Now, we'll have to wait and see some of the teams that are in holiday tournaments, who do they end up playing. But that right there, just being in the conversation for toughest non-conference schedule in the Big Ten a year after having one of the worst in the country, it just shows us that we're on the right track for this program being where we want to be in terms of who we're playing in the non-conference. So I really think that the schedule, there's, there's some things to pick apart, and we will get to that. But my big observation is the schedule is going to make this season really, really interesting, perhaps maddeningly so in some ways, and maybe unnecessarily challenging to Indiana in some ways because of you know some of those one-day turnarounds. Uh, but it certainly is going to be interesting, and that's much more than we can say about some of the schedules that we've had recently. Yeah, I mean, you just think, I mean, they're cramming 30 games in by, I think, the Ohio State game that closed out the season is on February 23rd, so inherently... You just have a lot of a lot of games in a relatively short period of time. I mean, that starts right out of the shoot. There's three games in six days to start the season, three days off, and then three games in six days again. Um, so I, I think that'll, you know, we're going to learn a lot about this team very early on. And I think while we'll certainly expect room for growth, I mean, you've got the stretch, you know, five-game stretch that, that features games, uh, the Duke game at home that apparently we can chalk up as a win based on what you said earlier. So that's good. That's right. Um, so on the heels of uh, that, that that exciting victory, they go to Michigan. Then they host Iowa in the the set of their uh, you know two early season uh, Big Ten games. Then go to Louisville and then to Notre Dame uh, in Indianapolis in the in the Crossroads Classic. So I mean that's five really tough games in succession. Uh, kind of put them through the you know the meat grinder and see what you know see how they look. And then um, you know the Big Ten schedule. I'll kind of save thoughts on that it, just to to kind of underscore a little bit of what you said about the non-conference. I looked back. Basically, last four years of Ken Palm and last four years of RPI for the teams that are there. Um, on average, Howard is the only one that's a real, uh, you know, stinker. I guess you would say uh, from the from the MIAC where they've averaged outside of the top 300 in, in both those metrics. But you know, in the others, there's a lot of teams consistently between 100 and 200. Hardly anybody that averages outside of the 250 range in either of those. Um, so. Again, with with somewhat a, a limited ability to schedule who exactly they would like um, because of the short turnaround from the new coaching staff, I think they did a good job of, of putting together, you know, a relatively tough schedule. Other thing I noticed is in the non-conference outside of playing three teams from the ACC, um, they don't play more than one team from any any other league. Uh, and I think that's interesting to kind of diversify that. I know, it, you know, a couple of years ago, I joked that we were the, the champions. Of, I think it was the Southland or the, the SWAC or one of those where, you know, they just loaded up and played three or four teams. I think last year was the Ohio Valley. Um, and in that case, you know, 
you know, odds are a couple of the leagues that the that these teams come from are going to be good and can help IU because the RPI kind of bases who you beat and who, you know, those teams beat, um, as opposed to you know putting a lot of your eggs in in the basket of a of a really poor league. So for the most part, of leagues that can. T- uh, that consistently finished toward the bottom uh, of these rankings. IU stayed away from those leagues with the exception of that Howard game. So um, I think they did a pretty good job on short notice, putting things together and looking through some of the returnees um, on some of these teams. I think there's, you know, some of them should be, should prove to be a pretty good challenge. And as you know, as we already said, you know, we've got those four kind of marquee games already in there that are going to be uh, really big. And I think, you know, from a top four game standpoint or four toughest non-conference games, uh, I don't know that there'll be a lot of teams that would stack up to what, uh, what IU is going to face. Now it's, just left to see how they uh, how they do when they play against it. Yeah, and let's be clear about this. You know, Indiana was going to be playing Seton Hall and Duke and Notre Dame and Louisville, even if Tom Crean was still the coach. I mean, those games, you know, the, the Louisville game was already set. The other games are part of, you know, classics, tournaments. Uh, so those were already going to be set. If you want to know what's really different about this year's schedule as opposed to past years, look at Thanksgiving, all right? Because the day before Thanksgiving, Indiana plays Arkansas State. The day after Thanksgiving, Indiana plays Eastern Michigan. So, number one, that right there is kind of interesting, those two games sandwiching Thanksgiving. But you have Arkansas State last year that was 124th in Ken Palm and Eastern Michigan that was 148th. These are the kind of teams that Indiana wasn't playing and the kind of teams that we were clamoring to see them play. You know, fewer of these just cupcakes where it's a 40-point victory and you don't learn anything about your team. Bring some teams into Assembly Hall that if you're not on your A game— you may go down to the wire or you could even get beaten because you're going to find out more about your team in those games. Not to mention it helps you when it comes to your strength of schedule and for your seating. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how good those teams are. You know, Arkansas State, they had a couple of important seniors last year, but they have four seniors back. So that's clearly an experienced program. Uh, And so they will be challenging. Eastern Michigan lost two key seniors. So I wonder if they'll be as good as they were last year, but still, those are the kind of teams that I think we all want to see Indiana play more, and it's nice to see that. And that, to me, is the big difference in terms of flavor uh, for this non-conference schedule. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I think both those teams could be good, and both come from leagues that have been relatively successful uh, in recent years. I think that's, you know, the league affiliation is really a big deal. I mean, the odds of, yeah, not every MAC team is good, so to kind of use the Eastern Michigan example, not every MAC team is great, but that league is pretty consistently ranked, at least in the middle of the pack from an RPI uh, and a Ken Palm standpoint. So unless you get the worst, unless you just so happen to get the worst of the worst that that league has to offer, you're going to be facing a team that doesn't have a terrible RPI and actually will give you, you know, some flavor of a challenge as you're, as you're going through. So I think that's interesting. I think playing Fort Wayne again is interesting. I, I think I saw somebody allude to that being moved up um, and that may help a little bit of, uh, of scheduling the Arkansas series, but that's a good team that, you Arizona know, series. I, Arizona series. Er, yeah, sorry. Uh, you know, you know, IU knows all too well how good that team is, and they've got three of their top four scorers back. So, um, you know, a couple other a couple other veteran guys there in the mix as well. So I think they'll be good. Uh, even the Tennessee Tech game, uh, you know, in Ohio Valley School, they they may end up being one of the better teams in that league. They've got four of their top five scorers back. So I think some interesting challenges, certainly winnable games that you would chalk up as as victories. But I don't think you know the same kind of you know cakewalks that you would see. And I think. That's good for you know the new coaching staff to really test the players early and see what they have. But I think it's also good for the fans where you might actually be able to make some judgment about how the team is going to be um, because there were so many times in the last couple of years that we've gotten on the postgame show after these and just kind of stare at each other trying to figure out what to talk about because you didn't learn anything. Um, you saw some red flags and you could kind of chalk them up to, well, maybe it's just because of the level of competition. We don't know. And in a lot of cases, those red flags proved to be accurate because the defense was terrible. Um, but some of those kinds of things I think were really hard to get a read on. So, you know, I think from a fan's perspective, it's exciting because I think they will give us a better idea, uh, as they go and some kind of baseline to really evaluate them as they improve. Uh, we would expect over the course of the season as they get more familiar, you know, with Archie style, as guys settle into roles a little bit better, uh, into the big 10 season. So I think a, a lot of positives, you know, minus the, you know, short turnarounds and some of those kinds of things that we've l- lamented already. Uh, I think a lot of different chances to learn about the team. And I think that's what most fans really want at that part of the year. No question. All right. Coming up on the assembly call, we are going to dive into the big 10 portion of the schedule. By the way, have you seen what the first six road games are for Archie Miller as Indiana's head coach? Whoa. Are they tough? We'll talk about those coming up. You 
You are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris talking IU basketball with my co-host on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, Andy Bottoms. So, Andy, have you, I'm sure you have, <laughs> have you seen the first six road games that Archie Miller will face as Indiana's head coach? You want me to, want me to list these out for you? Yeah, please, please do. I, <laughs> okay. I I want to not be able to sleep well tonight, so that seems like a good idea. Yeah, you go hide under a bed or get in a closet or something. <laughs> Here we go. All right, at Seton Hall, at Michigan, at Louisville, at Wisconsin, at Minnesota, at Michigan State. <laughs> Those are Archie Miller's <laughs> first six road games. Which oh yeah, is... no big deal. Those are all easy places to win and uh, against teams that uh, are that are not good at all. So that should be should be no issue at all. Okay, off the top of your head, which is the easiest one of those to win? Do you think? Like, wh- which one do you think Indiana is most likely to win of those six? Oh my gosh, um, there's so many. Like, not to give people bingos away, there's so many like horror stories at at, at virtually all of these venues. So you really can't. I'm gonna I'm gonna go against the grain and, and maybe say at Wisconsin. That's You've the one game. I'm thinking too. I know students students won't be there. Their roster is really the most in flux of any of those teams, um, and might catch them early before they kind of have things figured out, which is insane to say based on uh, our. This history is going to come back to haunt us, but it's not. Them. But it's oh, a new coach. It's a new program. So, you know. But okay, so you were mentioning something in the break though, where obviously Indiana got screwed last year because we had those early home games. You know, the Nebraska game. I think Wisconsin was one of those too, uh, where there yeah. was just no students, no life. It was over Christmas break. Indiana may benefit from that this year. Yeah, I mean those those. I guess not the first year. I, I keep forgetting about that Michigan game. Although I guess who knows when? Uh, depending on when those are, I assume classes would still be in session there. But the the Wisconsin and Minnesota ones at the beginning of January, uh, maybe cases where students aren't back. So that would. Uh, potentially help a little bit. I mean, it's it's certainly a really tough start to the Big Ten schedule in, in general when you look at those two games in December plus, you know, the first two being at Wisconsin uh, and then at Minnesota, who's supposed to be one of the better teams in the in the league. So those will be challenging for sure, but, you know, potentially could benefit from not having the students there. All right, so let's talk about the Big Ten schedule because there are so many angles. It's just, you know, and people may say, okay, why are you making such a big deal about the schedule? Well, there's a lot that's different about this schedule, as you mentioned, you know, because of playing the Big Ten tournament at Madison Square Garden, these two early games. I mean, it's crazy not to mention that because of the deal with Fox, now there are going to be Big Ten basketball games literally every night of the week. And so Indiana will be playing Monday games. They'll be playing Friday games. Here's an interesting note, Andy. Of all the days of the week, you know, the only day of the week that Indiana only plays one game, it's Thursday. So clearly the schedule makers were respecting the sanctity of Thursday night live assembly call recordings because they didn't want to have an actual game interfere with it. So no, I, just, I just like to thoughtful. thank them for that. Yeah. 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 That was one of the only things we can thank them for. Yeah. But yeah, we'll thank now, them for that. When we have the Wednesday, Friday night games and then a radio show sandwiched in between. We'll, we'll never see our wives, but that's, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. Okay, but here's probably the biggest storyline to me looking at this. All right, and we've got to talk about the sets of the two early games because there's a couple of teams that really made out nicely. Uh, so we're going to get to that in a second. But the big change is there's a lot of one-day turnarounds. And when you have to squeeze a lot of games into a small period of time, that's just going to happen. Some teams are going to have to play a game. They've got a day break and then play another game. Well, two teams have four sets of those during Big Ten play, Indiana and Minnesota. So Indiana has Michigan-Iowa, then there's another one with Maryland-Illinois, and then Purdue-Ohio State, and then Michigan State-Rutgers, and those last three are actually in succession uh, at the end of January and the 1st of February. Uh, Several other teams have three. A couple of teams only have two, uh, or a few teams actually, like Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State, Northwestern, Penn State. They only have two, and Purdue and Wisconsin only have one of those one-day turnarounds, which as you go through a tough, you know, brutal, grinded-out Big Ten schedule, that seems like it would be an advantage. So that, you know, for ways that the, the schedule may advantage Indiana, and I think, you know, having... You know, the the way that the road games kind of play out there during Christmas break, that may be an advantage. We'll get to the end of the schedule, which kind of opens up for Indiana if they can just stay alive through early February. But that part in January and early February, the first week in February, is pretty brutal. And it's really going to test the mettle of a team that one of the big question marks is depth, especially behind a couple of guys who, you know, have been a little bit injury prone and or had conditioning issues that have kept them off the floor. Yeah, and now the the optimist in me would say this is the perfect preparation for the NCAA tournament because that's what you're doing. You don't have you know you don't have these long turnarounds. So I guess if you want to frame it up in in some way, 
that's certainly one way that you could look at it. But yeah, I mean, all all the IU ones are, you know, your home for one game and road for the other or, or vice versa. So you've also got travel built in there where at least you would think um, that if you're going to have you know games like that, at least then maybe you wouldn't have to travel uh, as you do that. But that's that's not the case. And even, you know, one of those you mentioned, there's a Maryland, Illinois there's actually a, a Friday they play at Michigan State, then come home, you know, two days off, play Monday uh, against Maryland, and then and then on Wednesday play at Illinois. I mean, that's a that's a tough stretch by any measure. I know Illinois isn't expected to be uh, great, but I think Brad Underwood's a really good coach, and and you've got you know just kind of you know kind of like I said before, going through the the meat grinder. So um, you know, a lot of teams have to do this, but I do think it's interesting that how some teams can have four such turnarounds and others can only have one. Seems a little bit, seems a little bit odd to me. Uh, I, you know, and I think almost everybody was guaranteed one in a certain, to a certain extent, in those, um, you know, some of those early season matchups, or at least it was, it was close to that, where a lot of people will get those in those December games, uh, following the uh, Big Ten ACC Challenge. Yeah, everybody has one then. Um, so like teams like Purdue and Wisconsin, they don't have another one coming after that, which is crazy. Um, now there were four teams that had a three-game road stretch. That's Iowa, Northwestern, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. So Indiana did avoid having to go on the road three straight games, uh, which is nice. Um, but let's talk about those early December games because a couple teams made out uh, real nicely. So let's talk about that. You're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms. We're breaking down the IU basketball schedule and specifically the Big Ten portion of it in this segment. So Indiana, of course, at Michigan against Iowa. You know, that seems like a fair twosome to start out. You know, I don't know. I mean, although, you know, we did an interview with Brendan Quinn on podcast on the brink, and he thinks Michigan is a top three team in the Big Ten, uh, you know, if a couple of their transfers come through. So Michigan's, they're an interesting team. Uh, You know, but I think you've got a couple of of maybe middle-of-the-pack teams there, so that seems fair. Michigan State and Minnesota. uh, Obviously, Michigan State is the prohibitive favorite in the conference. Minnesota, you know, I think a lot of people think they're the second or third best team in the conference. They play Nebraska and Rutgers for those early games. So not only well, isn't did that they, convenient. Yeah, not only did they make out really nicely, poor Nebraska and Rutgers. <laughs> I mean, that's really you know, I mean, yeah. that's kind of rough for them. But you know what? They came, you know, they're a couple of the last teams into the Big Ten. So I don't feel necessarily so bad for them. I just think, you know, the Big Ten clearly seems like they want Michigan State to just run away with this thing because when inside the hall did their analysis of just how the the single plays broke down you know Michigan State had the easiest schedule there they clearly got some help here just with the structure of the games uh so when Michigan State wins the conference by two or three games all I'm saying is don't be surprised it's a lot like Wisconsin a couple years ago where they were by far the best team and had the most favorable schedule sometimes it just works out that way yeah, I mean, I thought that was interesting. Certainly, conspiracy theorists can, uh, you know, you know, frame that however they want. But, but it also is an opportunity. You know, some of these times in in early December is when a lot of teams are playing by games, and for to a certain extent, like this is an opportunity for the conference to really, you know, what I guess similar to what they're trying to do by playing more on Mondays and Fridays, really kind of seize opportunities uh, in windows where there typically aren't a lot of games. You know, we can we can debate whether we think the Friday thing is a good idea or not. Um, but but to, to take two of your best teams and not have them play even a reasonably good team during that time is kind of a, a missed opportunity from my perspective. But um, certainly Michigan State and, uh, and Minnesota aren't going to look at it that way. But, uh, you know, as for as for IU's portion of that, uh, I think Michigan might be a team to play better earlier rather than later. That was one of the points I think I made when we talked about about this before was, you know, some of these teams that have different pieces that are trying to come in, uh, you know, they've got a, a their you know, point guard coming in as a transfer uh, is, uh, you know, they're, they're going to try to work him in. I think he's from Ohio. Um, and so, you know, he, he won't have had, he'll have had the off season, but not, you know, a year sitting out, whereas, uh, Charles Matthews from Kentucky was with him last year. So maybe you catch them at a decent time. Still, I think a relatively good team And Iowa, uh, obviously loses Peter Jack, but they have pretty much everybody else back. So it should be a pretty good test, uh, for, for IU early on. So yeah, definitely didn't get any breaks. I mean, not playing, you know, both Minnesota and Michigan State or, or Purdue or somebody like that during that stretch is, uh, is good. But both should be pretty challenging games. And I think, you know, as you kind of look ahead, if IU came out of that one and one in the league, I'd feel pretty good about it. Yeah, you know, I, I have to say, you know, when I just kind of looked at the schedule, you know, and saw how many of these quick turnarounds we had and some of the other things, I felt a little bit intimidated. But then when I started going through it, you know, look, if you just if you kind of take it in chunks, right, those first two games, you know, I think one and one is a reasonable expectation. 
Then Indiana plays at Wisconsin and at Minnesota. I don't think Indiana will be favored in any of those games. So, you know, pencil in 0-2 there. Then you come home for Penn State and Northwestern. You would expect to win both of those games. Then you're on the road against Michigan State. You you expect to lose that one. Then you have this this interesting six game stretch where it's you know the the series of one day uh, one day turnarounds. Maryland, Illinois, then Purdue, Ohio State, then Michigan State, Rutgers. And I think it's reasonable to expect that Indiana can go five and one or four and two in that stretch because I think you assume that Indiana can win the home games. Now maybe you know Michigan State comes into Assembly Hall and gets a win, but hey, I'm of the mind that this is Simon Scott Assembly Hall. This is the Hoosiers. Let's expect to win the home games. But you know Illinois, Ohio State, and Rutgers; those are beatable teams on their home floor. So you know five and one, four and two there doesn't seem unreasonable. And then you come down the stretch, and here's what Indiana has down the stretch: home against Minnesota home against Illinois, at Iowa, at Nebraska, and home against Ohio State. All seem like very winnable games. Now, it'll, of course, depend on health and how the team's playing and all of that. But, you know, 4-1 and one or 3-2 and two at a minimum does not seem unreasonable there. So when you look at that, if you take the optimistic view and you say that they're going to go 5-1 and one in that tough six-game stretch and then 4-1 and one down the stretch... That's 12 and 6, even with a 1 and 3 start. Or if you just look at it from a minimum perspective and say they go 4 and 2 and 3 and 2 in those, you know, final two sets of games, you're 10 and 8 in the conference. And so when you add up, you know, kind of the eight quote unquote guaranteed wins that you would expect in the non-conference and that's not to disrespect Arkansas State or Eastern Michigan because as we said, they're good enough that they could come beat Indiana if Indiana doesn't play, but those eight games that you would expect to win, then if you can just pick off, you know, one or two of those tough those tough games, it starts to you start to see a very reasonable path to getting to 19, 20, 21 wins at a minimum that would seem to me would get Indiana into the NCAA tournament given how good the strength of schedule is going to be. Yeah, I mean, the strength of schedule is definitely going to help. But I, yeah, the end of the season is, you know, if, if you take the view that this team is going to grow a great deal over the course of the season in Archie's first year, which I think is absolutely reasonable to expect. Um, I don't think he'll settle for anything less than than seeing that progression over the course of the year. Um, by the time the team's hitting its stride, you know they have more winnable games. It's it's funny that um, you know not to tie together too much to the the Bloom article, but he talked about uh, they they were going through and just trying to kind of asking about the conditioning and some of those kinds of things. He goes, "You want these athletes to be their best at the right times in basketball. That's January, February, and March." Um, so if you take kind of the latter piece of that, particularly into the, you know, the February component, March, uh, you know, may not play games until the NCAA tournament, depending on how the big Ten tournament goes. But, you know, if you if that really is true and from a physical standpoint, they're playing well from a system standpoint, uh, they're peaking. Then I think you have a real chance to, to build some momentum at the end of the season, heading into that big Ten tournament, ideally heading into the NCAA tournament. Uh, and so that that helps. I mean, obviously, you know, we haven't yet to see any of these teams play a game. Uh, so far, but as you kind of project out where we think teams are going to fall uh, within the league, I do think, you know, the end of the season could be exciting. And that's one of the things that we talked about with, you know, so many of the green teams, uh, really, with, with the exception of a couple years ago, um, that didn't peak at the end of the season that seemed like they were out of gas. And I think this will be a good test that if everything goes according to plan, based on what Archie has talked about, and based on how the schedule lays out, I think you could see the exact opposite. Yeah, so again, I mean, I think it's a really interesting schedule. I think there are reasons to be a little bit perturbed at the Big Ten and what they laid out for Indiana, but I like looking at it the way that you did. I mean, I think some of these challenges are actually opportunities. You know, look, those three sets of, you know, one-day turnaround games there in the middle of the season, that's like simulating NCAA tournaments, you know, where you have each weekend you're going to have a one-day turnaround if you keep winning. So I think there are some opportunities here for Indiana to get signature wins, uh, to really test their mettle, and really be a team that has gone through some real battles come February and March, and that, as you said, you know, if they're peaking, if Archie's got his system in, if the guys are buying into it, you know, if young guys are stepping up and if seniors are leading as they're supposed to, if all of those things are happening, you know, I think we all think that this team is ca- is capable of more maybe than what's going to be expected of them. Uh, and I think that the way the schedule lays out really gives them an opportunity to build some momentum there at the end of the season. Anything else schedule-wise that you want to get to before we move on and start talking about some of Archie's interesting comments? No, I think you hit most of the things um, that I that I would say. I think the one thing that it really, you know, these turnarounds uh, will highlight for the team is depth. And I think that's one of the questions that we've had, uh, particularly in the post, um, you know, as you get into these these grinds and, um, you know, going through that, it's really going to be a good test of, of the depth of the team. And I think 
going into the season. That's one of the questions we have and uh, one that I think we'll probably see answered relatively early on simply because uh, almost out of necessity versus anything else, you're going to have quick turnarounds to play, um, give guys opportunities and see what happens. And then maybe you settle into more of a rotation uh, by the time the Big Ten season rolls around. But, um, you know, when you really start to think about about one of the, you know, what the question marks are for this team, that's certainly one of them, particularly up front. Uh, and a question that uh, if you don't find an answer to it pretty quickly, it could end up being a, a really, a really rough January and February based on, you know, the, the games coming fast and furious. and There's not really a lot of time to catch your breath. No question about it. All right, coming up on the assembly call, we are going to discuss some interesting comments that Archie Miller made in a recent Bloom magazine article. That is next on the assembly call. Stick with us. You are listening to the assembly call. Go to assemblycall.com slash join to activate your free membership. You will get our weekly six banner Sunday news roundup delivered right to your inbox every Sunday morning so that you can stay up to date with your Hoosiers during the off season. And of course, once the season begins that URL again, assemblycall.com slash join. I am Jared Morris here talking IU basketball with my co-host on the assembly call, Andy Bottoms. And Andy, I kind of wanted to get to this last week, and we didn't have time. We actually featured this article in that Six Banner Sunday news roundup. Uh, and, and that is, there's an article in Bloom Magazine. You can find it if you go to magbloom.com. It was still the headline article uh, as of today. And it was a feature on new Indiana football coach Tom Allen and new Indiana basketball coach Archie Miller talking about the new eras. And you know, this is the first time in a long, long, long time that both men's basketball and football have had new coaches. And I thought, I really thought some of the comments that Archie made were really interesting. And I thought, frankly, some of the questions were really good. So kudos to Blue Magazine for asking some good questions. But I thought some of Archie's comments were really illuminating. Uh, there's a quote that just in case you were wondering whether Archie Miller is perfect to be the basketball coach at Indiana, this quote will really put it into perspective. And so we're going to end with that. We'll get to that one in just a second. But I thought this exchange was really interesting, and I won't read the whole thing, but Blue Magazine says there's a perception that everyone makes a fortune in college sports except the athletes. Miller, true. Bloom, do you think the athletes ultimately will get paid for what they do? And Archie said, probably at some point. I can't speak to when or how much, but I will say this about the way that student-athletes' rights are going. Voices are being heard. People are getting smarter about the politics of the business in general. Uh, and he says, there's got to be some give and take. I do think at some level down the road, there's going to be some format or plan to compensate college athletes because there is a hunger for it. As times change, you have to change with them. I had a lot of thoughts when I read this. One was, I wish all coaches in Indiana history had adhered to that uh, philosophy of as times change, you need to change with them, although that is neither here nor there. Uh, but, you know, what I really thought is, you know, Archie Miller to me, comments like this, other comments that he's made, he strikes me as the quintessential players coach. And I know sometimes when we hear the term players coach, we think maybe a guy who's a pushover, you know, the roll the basketballs out type and just let a player do whatever they want to. But to me, I think a players coach is a coach who's always got the players backs is on their side. And sometimes that means disciplining and being hard and doing what you have to do to get the best out of that guy. Uh, I think it was Tom Izzo who said discipline is the greatest form of love that you can show to another human being, which I think is a great quote. But at the same time, you know, while you're pushing a guy to be their best, you've also got their back. And you want what's best for them, not just on the basketball court because they can win you games, but because you're truly invested in them as an individual. And I think just the view that Archie espoused right there is not only an intelligent view of the way things are going and, and what the bigger picture of college athletics looks like, but also shows a guy who really seems to me to be truly invested in the betterment, not just of the players as basketball players, but as individuals and looking out for the best for them, uh, which, you know, I love in the basketball coach of Indiana University. What did you take uh, from that comment? Yeah, I just thought overall his comments were interesting. You know, he talked about can't really limit a 17 or 18 year old kid who has an opportunity to go and make millions of dollars, uh, you know, and kind of talking through some of that. But he also was, you know, very much, you know, when when they go through those decisions, head coach of the staff brought him along. Uh, can seem to be the enemy, just trying to give him information, educate him, help him make the right decision, uh, here to support, to develop, to help him grow, not trying to hold anyone back. I, I think, you know, those kind of, uh, you know, support what, what you said. And, and I think, you know, he made some interesting comments about, you know, it kind of balances both sides of the argument in terms of, you know, these guys do get 
a great deal in terms of, you know, talking about unbelievable stage, great education, um, but also said, you know, that there's not a really a great understanding for people who aren't doing it of everything that goes into the challenge of being a, a student athlete and, uh, and, you know, and kind of the worth that that has. So I, I liked his, you know, just candor in, in terms of the whole discussion. I think so many times, you know, we hear the, the coach speak of I'm saying something that I think people, you know, want want me to say or things that they want to hear. And I think we've kind of seen from him over the course of the you know the last few months. It's not really what he's all about. And I think he just doesn't kind of have time for the, you know, the the charade of, of putting on that front. And I, I and I like it. And I think it comes off as a guy who uh, has a good understanding of all the aspects of the decision. And, and as you said, as a guy who's you know going to support the players and uh, help them in what's in their best interest. Well, and I love how willing Archie has been, I mean, so far, and again, the games haven't started yet, but just in in the quotes that we've seen, how willing he has been at every turn to accept responsibility. You know, immediately when he became the coach, he accepted responsibility for the players that he didn't recruit, but they're his guys. And and I think this quote is really telling. He he says, you know, when you can get a $250,000 to $300,000 education, you can be set up to do anything you want to do in life as a professional. The thing we have to do, we have to hold ourselves accountable is to maximize the value of the education. And that's one of the problems too often is, yes, players get this incredible education, but are they really being given the resources to take advantage of it? Or is so much of their focus being spent on basketball? Uh, you know, And are they being pushed into classes just to be able to stay eligible that they're not really being challenged? And I think taking on that accountability, and I think Tom Crean really did this, and, and I think Indiana's academics have come a long way from where they were, uh, obviously, when Tom Crean took over. But I just like Archie's general disposition and his willingness to take responsibility and take accountability for whatever he can do to impact it in a positive way. And I just think that's the kind of mindset that's going to win in the long haul, both off the court and on the court. And it continues to have me encouraged. Yep, I would I would totally agree. Let's move let's move to the next one you had because I think this will be this was a funny one. A, a guy that that you uh you know you pined to to play more last year. And he's going to play more this year. It's going to happen. Uh, okay, so the question was, is this the year that Tim Priller gets to play? He hasn't gotten many minutes, but he's a fan favorite. Now, I could just kind of, as, as I was reading this, I kind of heard in my head Archie kind of laughing a little bit, chuckling to himself as he answered the question. There's a good chance that my man Tim Priller is going to be in there. And, and this is real telling. Tim's got to see himself a little differently than he did yesterday. He's got to go from being a fan favorite to being coach's favorite. That's the key. That, I think, is a truly insightful statement about what Tim needs to do. Now, I thought when Tim got in last year, we've talked about this, he had very limited playing time. He did a nice job with it. He's going to have to grow and evolve his game even more to get more playing time this year. But that strikes me as a coach who already, you know, with only a few months to get to know these guys, you know, with a guy like Tim Priller, who, you know, last man on the bench, maybe not a guy that you would think a new coach would be spending a whole lot of time in, it feels like he really pinpointed the thing that Tim needs to do. And I think if Tim can do that, he can be a guy who, look, when you're playing, uh, you know, three games in six days uh, and Deron Davis is in foul trouble and other guys are tired, you may need someone who's 6'10 to step in and play a few minutes. I think it can really help Indiana if Tim is that guy. And this strikes me as exactly what needs to happen for that to happen. Uh, well, I just think you hear him talk about, you know, really placing a lot of the accountability on the players. And I think it's it's a case of, you know, we, we kind of we we scoffed last year when you would bring up like playing Priller. And I think his message is like, you can't you can't be that guy anymore. I expect more of you than that. And I think it's a good message to send. One of the other quotes that I I wrote down from the article in general, I don't remember which part this was, um, but it, he said, with change comes opportunity and with opportunity comes excitement. I have great faith that we can bring out the best in all of our guys. I mean, if that's right, then then Priller has to be a guy that you can turn to in a, in a tight spot and uh, and put him in the game and, and steal some minutes with him. So, um, you know, I think the expectations that, that he has and that he's communicated since day one uh, are ones that I think he's really going to hold guys to. I don't see him as a guy who's going to, you know, make excuses for different things going wrong and, uh, you know, guys be, not being put in a position to succeed. And I think, you know, setting the tone of that by saying, you know, look, you, you can't, you know, kind of ride by on being the guy that, you know, the human victory cigar when, when you come in. And um, y- as you said, there will absolutely, based on how the schedule lays out, be games when they have to get something out of Tim Priller. Even if that's five fouls, they're going to have to get something out of him. And, and I think it's good to set the tone that um, that's the expectation. 
No, no question. You're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms. We are talking about the Bloom Magazine article that featured some really interesting comments from new IU head coach Archie Miller. Uh, so here's, Andy, here's my favorite one. And you and I were kind of laughing about this in the break. So Bloom asks, what are your interests outside of basketball that you're hoping to take advantage of here? Archie Miller, I don't have a lot of interests outside of basketball. To me, basketball is life. Memo to our friends at HoosierProud.com. Make that a t-shirt. Uh, back to Archie. If I'm not there, I'm usually with my family. That approach got me this far, so I'm going to stick with it. This is a terrific place to raise a family, and I'm hoping we'll be here a long time. I mean, if we needed any more evidence that Archie is the perfect coach for Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana, I think we get it with that quote, right? Yeah, there's no better way to endear yourself to the fans than that quote, like, I don't have a lot of interest outside of basketball. So, yeah, that was definitely my, my favorite of the uh, of the piece as well. So we both walked away with the same thing there. I, I love it. I mean, but but there, but that's backed up by everything else and the way he's acted really since the opening press conference that uh, there's just, you know, all business and, uh, and and all basketball, I think, for the most part. So, uh, you know, I think that's what people what people want and uh, apparently what he's prepared to deliver. Uh, no question. Also, speaking of deliver, did you see the Archie has a pizza at Mother Bears now? It's called like the Archie thing. It, yeah, I don't remember all I the toppings, that. but I know there's like pepperoni, there's mushroom on it. I guess that's his favorite pizza that he orders. So nice work by Mother Bears to get that hey. going already. Hey, he's already arrived. He's good. <laughs> he has. Anything else uh, from that article that stood out to you? I mean, a lot of the player stuff, we talked about this a little bit that, uh, you know, there there were things that. Uh, it, you know, he, he said about them that wasn't new. One one thing about recruiting, he did say, though, uh, and again, not to kind of throw dirt on on Crean at this point, but we talked about all the offers and, and kind of branching out too far. He said Indiana basketball is a national brand. It can help recruit difference makers from anywhere. But if you're spread too thin, you're going to miss out on guys who can really help you who are from right here. Um, you know, again, it's the kind of thing that people love to hear. And I think that we've you know started to see uh, in action. But I think uh, you know, it, it just gave a little bit more color, I think, to the, his overall philosophy from a recruiting perspective. So, um, you know, short of reiterating things that we've already heard about a lot of the players, um, other than the fact that nobody has worked harder than Robert Johnson, according to the article, which is, uh, you know, good news for me, obviously. Nobody. Nobody. And they need him to talk more. We've got to get Robert yeah. talking more. Yeah. Well, we yeah, you know, one thing at a time. One thing at a time. Yes. Uh, okay. So, great article. Go to Bloom, uh, or what is it, magbloom.com? Is that what I said? Yeah, magbloom.com to read the full article, both about Tom Allen and Archie Miller. Uh, well worth your time. Very, very interesting. All righty. Uh, coming up in our fourth and final segment, we do have some Twitter questions, and so we are going to get to those, plus a super quick recruiting update because there's not a whole lot to talk about, but one thing that is worthy of note. That's coming up on the Assembly Call. You're listening to The Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms talking IU basketball, wrapping up another week of talking IU basketball on The Assembly Call. Uh, so I teased a quick recruiting update. Uh, there's just you know not a whole lot of new recruiting news this week. All I will say is the chatter that I continue to hear about Robert Finnessy is good. It's positive. It doesn't mean that you know a decision is coming like tomorrow or anything or that it's a slam dunk, but it does sound like you know Indiana's in a good position. It sounds like Ohio State might be in a decent position too, and so we await uh, his decision, but he would obviously be a great get for Indiana and Archie Miller, another four-star kid, another guy from Indiana. Uh, so we will see what he decides. Andy, let's go through some of these question, uh, questions. We can go kind of quickly. While you consider Kyle's question of Seton Hall, Duke, Louisville, Notre Dame, the over-under on wins, Nate asked, was Bobby Hurley's cameo in an IU jersey and blue chips to blame for his lackluster pro career? Uh, I will answer that with no, his unfortunate car accident uh, and lack of athletic ability probably played more into it uh, than the blue chips cameo. Dang it. You know what? I just realized he was just trying to get us to do a blue chips reference for bingo. Smart. Oh. The game theory that is happening because of assembly call bingo. Nate, hat tip to you. I hope you got a bingo card with blue chips on there. Okay. Hey, we have, uh, hey, we've got smart listeners. We've already, now. we've always, we've always known how, how smart and in tune the audience was. This is just further proof that Clearly they're now able smarter to than the host. Clearly smarter than the host. Uh, okay. Uh, how many wins do you think Indiana gets in their four extra tough non-conference games? Oh boy. So over under, I mean, I think they win it. I think they win at least one. I mean, you said they already had one. So I'll, I'll be, I'll take the somewhat optimistic view and say too, that they'll find a way to split. So you think, and you think probably the more likely one would be beating either Seton Hall or Notre Dame, in addition to Duke, obviously. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame has Bonzi Colson back, but I think they've got some other questions on their their roster. They don't have a lot of other guys back, so that's one where I think you could have some uh, roster turnover, some early season struggles there. Yep. Uh, so Adam says, God forbid, if we're faced with injury problems, specifically in the post, do we play race? That's race Thompson, who arrived on campus earlier this week. I know Archie will do what's in the best interest of the player. Adam, I think you answered the question right there. I think Archie will do what's in the best interest of the player. I think there is a plan in place with race already. I mean, he's coming to campus early. Uh, so maybe they have a contingency that if something happens, he would burn that year. But I doubt it. I think he's pretty well set. Uh, to sit out the year, but obviously we'll have to see. But I, I agree with you that he'll do what's in the best interest of the player. Our I mean, I would argue I would argue on that. If if things get to that point, there's no reason to burn it. I mean, things would probably be going poorly, so why waste the year when you're probably not going to get that much out of it? I agree. Our final question from our buddy Chris, IU Artifacts, who, by the way, we're going to have on an upcoming episode, which is going to be a lot of fun, and we'll go through some of those IU Artifacts. If a former IU walk-on had to take the last shot for the win... Who would take it? Now, this this is a hard question. And Andy, as you and I both talked about off air, there's probably a really obvious answer. We need some time to dig into this, but we didn't have it. I went with Ryan Burton. And I went with Ryan Burton because still fresh in my mind is that 2016 game at Rutgers when he and Max Beal felt, and to a certain extent, OG Ananobi absolutely saved Indiana's bacon when Yogi and Troy were turning it over left and right. It looked like Rutgers was going to have a chance to win that game Burton hit two big three-pointers. He was two for two, had six points that really helped Indiana keep Rutgers at bay. And, I mean, you start out the Big Ten season with a loss at Rutgers with how you know the rest of that season had already been going. That would have been a huge loss. Instead, they won. They kept the momentum going from the Notre Dame victory, and obviously we know what happened the rest of that season. So it was a huge win, huge shots. So if I had to do it, I'm going with Ryan Burton because he's the guy most recently that I've seen from a walk-on position hit big shots. Uh, we've got about 20 seconds left, Andy. Who are you taking? Um, I'm going to say I'm going to take Luke Luke Jimenez, who uh, lived down the hall for me at Briscoe. My my freshman year was AJ Guyton's roommate, so I'll uh, the I'll poor go man's with that. Bronson Koenig. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, and and Chuck Crab always said his name really, Luke Jimenez. So <laughs> I think that's uh, that's good. I'll go with him. Chuck Crab. We just need to get a CD of Chuck Crab saying IU players' names. I would uh, I would get that and listen to it nightly, probably. As would uh, anyone listen to this. <laughs> All right. Well, that will do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live simulcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to activate your free Assembly Call membership. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then... Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.